welcome to the 163rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on February 2nd, 2020, and it's my birthday! Happy birthday, me! Hey! My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. I am the birthday boy, and I am 50% of this here show with me is co-host and the guy who is not having a birthday today, Carlos Rodella. Happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. I hit the big 4-4 four, four today. Whoa. Six more years and I'll be 50, which sounds really weird. I still think I look pretty good, though. You look, you, yeah, I was going to say, you don't look a day over 30-ish. Yeah, I think I feel, I feel, I feel pretty good, look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all right. I don't feel too old and, you know, they always say age is just a number. It's like a mental thing and I... Mentally, I'm still feeling pretty good, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I feel like I get stuck, like, age-wise in my 30s as well, and that's just how I feel. I feel like 30-something, so that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there does come a certain point when people uh, mentally, like, mature, and they kind of stay there, and even though your body might get older and decrepit and fall apart, like, your brain is kind of, like, in that little, like, adult zone, and maybe it doesn't progress past, I don't know. 35, 40, wherever it is you hit your peak, I guess, is it's one theory I've heard anyway. Well, sometimes people do that, like, and they get much older quicker. Do you know what I mean? They're oh, like, very oh true. yeah, I'm definitely old now. And they're like, whoa, you, I guess you look old. So. Yeah, you know, you start giving up the ghost and your body just follows suit. So you got to <laughs> like... up the, Giving up the ghost is so funny of a sentence. <laughs> it's a true thing. People say it, but it just seems creepy. Yeah, it's kind of weird, man. It's like you just roll over and you're done with life. And then life's like, okay, well, I guess we're done with you then. So you got to... You got to retain that lust for life, you know, keep that energy going. Yes. All right. Enough philosophy, enough uh, pontificating here. Let's jump into this week's games. But right before we do that, just a quick reminder, if you want to send us your thoughts, comments, feedback, requests, anything at all, feel free to contest. Con- God, oh, damn that's it. the third or fourth time you've done that. I know. I can't say that. I got to rewrite that sentence because I always mess that sentence up. I apologize, folks. Anyway, if you want to contact us, so video games podcast at gmail.com and i guarantee we will read every single message you get because sometimes people are like yeah you know these guys are busy they're like rock stars they don't have time to read their fan mail and stuff and i guarantee you we have time to read every email every message we read it all we love your feedback we love your contact so please reach out so i don't have any housekeeping carlos you good on housekeeping a teeny teeny piece of housekeeping it's an update in a game that i mentioned on one of my indie or cheap or free pc games okay it was this game called legend of keepers where you basically made a dungeon and you played from this point of view of the monsters and the monsters also were kind of like uh workers at a corporation let that sink in for a minute if you hadn't heard that episode. political commentary there i think yes well anyways they did an update which is funny but also depressing it's called they added the motivation gauge for their workers Slash monsters. So basically, if you work them too hard, they could go into depression. Oh God! Like that's too real, dude. That's it's too really real. too real. Yeah, but I, also I love it. I mean, is you still playing it? Yeah, Legend of the Keepers. I can't stop playing that thing. It's so okay. fun. And that's on PC only, correct? PC. Yeah, I, got, I think I got it in Game Jolt. Is where I mentioned I got I it from. So I believe yeah. so. So anyway, just check that out. A little fun update called the Motivation Gauge. If you want to see your bestial workers get depressed because you're working them too hard, yep, yep, don't have enough of that in your real life, you can get some when your game time. There you go. Legend of the Keepers. All right, cool. Um, I don't have anything, so let's roll on with this week's uh, selection of games. We've got quite a bit to talk about, as we usually do. Carlos, we're going to start with you. That is the norm with your random, cheap, and or free indie game, probably on PC. What do you got on tap this week, buddy? Okay, this is going to 
blow your brain away in a bad way. Oh, in a bad way. Ooh, that's yeah. terrible. Or maybe, um, I don't know. It's going to do something. So buckle up. I'm buckled. I'm going to say a bunch of words now, and they probably aren't going to make much sense. But this is what the game is. So I found deity driving. Deity. You know, like a god. Like a god? Like D-E-I-T-Y? D-I-E-T-Y, right? Or is okay. It Something like that. Okay, so deity driving? What's it about? Yeah. Please, so, please don't tell me it's a go-kart racer. No, but you are a car. <laughs> okay. So you're a car. You drive around. You get coins. It's You can't say a particular type of game. It's just an experience, really. When you use WASD to move the car around, it goes like towards the screen, away from the screen, left and right. One of those games. Is this like a first person, top down? What are we talking? Behind the car? You, you see a car? There's a car on the screen. <laughs> There's okay. a car on the screen. You move it around with WASD. It goes like up, down, left, and right. It's, it's not top down. It's kind of like looking at the car. Okay. Uh, anyways, it doesn't really matter because you're basically just driving by in a little bit of 3D space, these objects, and engaging with them. There was a game that I reviewed once for the same section that was like this, where you kind of just did a bunch of experiences, remember? Where I found, like, a weird dog. I mean, everything dog. you bring is an experience, dude. I mean, I can't, I can't be that specific. Okay, anyways, you're a car. You get coins. You have an IQ level for some reason. You drive by toy hotels. Um, I found a raspberry. I found a guy on a bike who got mad at me. Um, I, I drove away, and then all of a sudden it's changed into, like, driving away from the screen. And I found, like, darkness, and then it turned into a top-down view game. And then uh, there was, like, someone talked about his son being obsessed with demons. And near the end, I had to find these socks to help the demons. And then there was heaven, but also more raspberries. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing you said. You were correct, because literally nothing you said made sense. I have no idea what we're even talking about right now. But at the end of it... It had it said ending out of three out of three, so there was multiple endings for whatever I experienced, and I can't explain it. But the reason I bring it up as my game this week is because I do like more of these things where I don't understand what's happening. The it's it feels very random, but at the end of it, it kind of wraps up a little bit. So again, I don't know what this game is, but I was definitely infatuated with it for a while. I'm assuming you finished it since you got ending three out of three. I got at one of the endings. I mean, how long did you put into like an hour to like, what are we talking here? Cause this sounds like a random, this weird, is like trippy sort of a thing. 15 minutes. Oh shit. Okay. That's yeah. really super fast. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you could probably, if you knew what to do differently, you could do like all three endings in like less than an hour and just see the whole thing. From oh yeah, yeah. 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 I guess. Yeah. It just, I like the idea of really, really simple games, really short, simple games being art experiences, right? It's like a painting. Or it's like a passage of a book or something. It's just like, yeah, I didn't get all of what it was. Maybe if I play again, I'll understand what the demons are about. I'll understand why I have an IQ level. I don't know anything the first time through, but maybe it'll like make a little more sense as I go through it. And even if it doesn't, it's just like, do you like abstract art? You know, yes or no. And if you do, games can be a way to deliver that. And so I enjoyed my weird experience with Zadie driving. Kind of reminds me of a game that we talked about last week. Uh, I talked about Draw Chili, how it literally was like a bunch of weird, random nonsense thrown into a game, but it all kind of came together and worked, and I ended up really liking it a lot. Kind of sounds like another kind of weird, bizarre, free thought association, strange indie going on here. So I guess we've got a, a repeat theme going. I guess we like these games. 
Yeah, I think so. It's just I just want more of uh, experimental stuff. So if it's trying something new, this game, I didn't know what it was. And I finished it and I still didn't know what it was. And that intrigues me. So I'm not saying this is a fun game. It was... <laughs> the word fun never came up in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had an interesting time with it. And at times, there were some jokes in there. Like, there were, you could tell they were, they were trying to be comedic. Uh, but, yeah, I was confused the whole time and, and enjoyed being confused. So, there you go. There's my confusing Deity Drive indie game. Okay, so that's a thing that just happened that we talked about. <laughs> and it's cut from the podcast. Was it like, free? Was it a buck? Like, what was oh, it? Oh, no, it was... It was definitely free. All right. Yeah. And it was Daddy Driving, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. I'm going to write this down for the notes here. Okay. Let's move on. I have a quick game to talk about on the Switch. And it's... Uh, I, man, we talk about the Switch. You've got a Switch now that you're back in the Switch side of things. We're going to be talking about a lot of indie games, a lot of small games, I'm sure. This is right up in that alley, man. This is exactly like what I got the Switch for. It's called Coffee Talk. Uh... It's put out, I think it's just put up by like one guy or maybe like a couple guys or something. I saw the guy tweeting and he's like, oh, I made this and I put it out on my birthday and please buy it if you want to wish me a happy birthday or something. So um, I did buy it. And so happy birthday, developer of Coffee Talk. Uh, it's a weird, it's a visual novel, but it is a visual novel on the Switch in the most extreme sense of visual novel. And what I mean by that is there is basically no interaction with the game. Um, you, you start as a barista in a coffee coffee shop that is open at nighttime, and you have a bunch of regulars that come into your shop, and they just sit down and talk to you. And the art is really nice. It's like pixel-based kind of art. They're just people sitting at a bar. You just look at them in the face and talk to them. Uh, it's set in Seattle, which is kind of neat, but it's it could really be anywhere. Like There's nothing about it that really says Seattle except for... A picture of the Space Needle in the background on the title screen. Other than that, it could be anywhere, USA, or anywhere in the world, honestly. And they mix it up. It's like humans. There's like elves and vampires and orcs and whatever mm. fantasy sort of a thing. But it doesn't really... I mean, they could just be people. Like, their races don't really matter other than the sense that they could be any race. Like, at one point, you're talking to people who are at your bar and they're like they're a couple... And they're like, oh, our parents don't want us to get together because I'm an elf and you're a succubus. And that sucks because of racial racism. And so you talk about it. But, I mean, it could easily be a black person, a white person, or, like, any kind of, any two different races. It would still make sense. It's very approachable if you just look one inch past the surface of the game. It's not very hidden. It's not, you know, it's not very oblique. Um, the art is really cute. I think the art's well done. I think the writing is actually quite good, honestly. Um... The dialogue is really natural feeling and it flows well. Uh, it's easy to understand where these people are coming from. They each have their own personalities and quirks. Uh, so that part is really well done too. I think it's really cool. It's a good fit for the Switch. It, it's very comfortable on that screen. Um, but the only weird thing is, is getting back to the point about it being a very extreme visual novel is that there's no, as far as I can tell, there are no choices in the dialogue at all. So you're just watching this pre-scripted conversation play out. And every once in a while, like every 10 minutes or something, somebody will be like, oh, I want a drink. And you're like, okay, I'm the barista. I'm going to make you drink. What do you want? And they're like, oh, give me something warm with ginger. And you've got like, I don't know, like 10 ingredients. And you're just like milk, ginger, coffee. And then you like mix it up. And like, it's, it's like pushing three buttons. Like it's nothing. Mm. Like it's really nothing. And if you fuck up the drink, they're just like, oh, this is not a good drink. Anyway, and they just keep talking. So like it doesn't stop the story. Like nothing bad happens. I... I kind of feel like they just threw it in there just because. But really what I do 
is I turn the text on to full speed, I turn the text on to auto scrolling, and then I just sit and watch it like I'm watching an episode of a TV show. Like I just oh, yeah. sit there, I just watch it. That's all I do. Like I'm just watching it. But it's good enough to where I'm actually interested in it and I want to see how it turns out and I like these characters and so I'm fine watching you know, each episode is like maybe fifteen minutes long. So you're just like watching little fifteen minute episodes of a show and it's not really a game. So it feels kind of weird. How many episodes? I mean, I don't know. They just keep coming. I think I'm probably on five or six. And according to what the game tells me, it seems like I'm only like a third of the way through it. So I don't know how long it's going to be. And I don't know if I'm going to end up getting all the way through it because, I mean, it's good so far. But it is kind of weird to play a game where all I'm doing is sitting and watching it like a TV show. But I do watch TV. So, you know, I I kind of get in that space in my head and I just watch it. So it's weird to recommend. It's a weird thing. And, like, most visual novels have multiple people to date or, like, multiple dialogue choices or different endings. Like, I don't think any of that's here. I think it's just this is like a season of a TV show, and once in a while you make a drink. And it doesn't matter if the drink is good. Yeah, and it's not like uh, Tapper or something where, like, no, they no, throw no, you no. down the bar if you, like, make a bad drink. Nothing at all. You're, like, pushing three buttons and you move on. Yeah, and also it's weird because I, I've seen the art style of it, and it, it feels like one where you'd make choices. Yeah, you would think you think it would be like a dating. It looks like a dating sim, yeah. Or it looks like like Valhalla. This is very reminiscent of if anybody played Valhalla, which was like a, a bartender game that had a lot of like visual novel elements. Um, there's a lot of games that are like this, but this is the one that has the least amount of interaction. Like it could just be a TV show that somebody made in a game engine. So, but you're, but you're sticking with it. You're gonna. I dig it. Yeah, I'm watching like two, three episodes a night, and I think it's like pretty cool. Like I'm kind of into it, and then I go to bed, and it's fine. So, I'm into it, but it's weird. But I like it so far. All right. Well, we I might go. check it out because I got the Switch, and if I want to watch extra episodes of something else in uh, video game form, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's not bad. The writing's pretty good. So there you go, Coffee Talk. Um, I'll report back. I feel like I'm gonna try to finish it, but we'll see how it goes. Um, let's stick with the Switch for now. Uh, a very, very high-profile indie game just came out. And if I hadn't have been in the middle of Coffee Talk, I would have bought it immediately. But I wanted to finish Coffee Talk first. You jumped right into it. It's Kentucky Route Zero uh, from developer. I believe they're called Cardboard Computer, I'm pretty sure. Yep. This game has been in the works for, like, what, like five years or something like that? Yeah, I think 2013 yeah, is when they first showed they it off. Releasing them episode by episode in, like, a year or two between episodes. And the fifth and final episode just came out, and now they put out a complete version on Switch. I'm super psyched for this. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Really want to get into it, but i got to finish Coffee Talk first. But you're in the middle of Kentucky Route Zero now, so no spoilers or anything, um, because uh, I want to get into this myself. But tell us about Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, um, well, I'm glad we are talking about this before some of the other games, because the rest of the games on my list, spoiler, I might be uh, inhabiting the, my inner Brad. Oh, okay. For We've all got that, a little Brad inside of us. Yeah, that's you're going to see a lot of it. Yeah, you have yeah. most of it. I have most of the Brad, but you guys have a little bit too. I will have a little Brad later on. So this one I won't have Brad for because I, um, yeah, I've definitely played it before. It's been out for you know quite a while, as in it would come out in episodes. Hey, speaking of episodes, there we go. So they treat their chapters of the game like little episodes, uh, and. It started a while ago, and they just would slowly release a new episode, but it would take between a few years. Yeah, for it's an a really long time. Really yeah. long time between episodes. So it's easy to drop off, right? Because you finish the first one, and then you're like, what do I do? And they're and you not. You wait like 19 months before the next episode. Yeah. And they're not super long either. That's the thing. If you kind of like 
go right through it and don't like hang about and just look at look at the scenery which i'll tell you about the scenery in a second uh they're pretty quick um so yeah i played most of the beginning of the chapter first chapter long long time ago and thought it was interesting and definitely a little weird which i like but then i dropped off and again no episodes are out so now this is the i'm actually playing the ps4 version Oh, okay, uh, PS4. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you had the Switch. For no, it's okay. Mistake. It's I was between getting that one and the one on the Switch, but I remember the last game I played on the Switch, the text was so damn small yeah, yeah, that yeah. it kind of freaked me out, and there's a lot of text in this game. So okay. I would like to hear what your thoughts are on, but for the PS4 one, they called it the TV edition. Is that also the one that they call for the Switch? I believe so, yeah. Okay. I don't it have just, it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure. It just means it's all of them, right? So all the episodes are there. Yeah, complete, um, complete package. Complete package. I started it again. I remembered the beginning. This game is disguised kind of as a point-and-click adventure. Uh, very, very simple 2D art, but also very artistic. It's got its own style, which is very below or something, or uh, just simple, simple graphics. Wasn't below a game? Remember? Below is that dungeon crawler that was on the Xbox that was like really like basic polygon shapes and a lot of shading. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but I guess I guess there's like like a palette of below in this game. Like grays and and muted colors, you know? There's okay. hardly and there's nothing really bright. It's all kind of um, muted dark grays and blues and stuff. So I feel like that was something similar. I've only seen a couple screenshots and it seems like they're pretty low poly models. Like they're kind of like blocky and stuff, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, is it sword and sorcery? Was that one of them? I mean, it was pretty abstract, pixel based. But I, I think yeah. it's it's like you know very artistically stylized, right? It's not a it's not a photorealistic thing. It's just very no 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 it, artistic. Yeah. yeah, it's its own vision of like what this world is like, and it is done very well. I, I mean, you just buy into the kind of uh, vision they've built. So you you walk around. You can just like any point and click adventure. You can talk to things or look at things and get the you know exam. You can examine things and see what the description is of them. And essentially, you're uh, driving a truck, you're a truck driver, and you have a dog who's an old dog, and you're just driving across this, like, lonely Route 66 or somewhere out there in the middle of the heartlands, and it's nighttime most of the time, <laughs> just or evening, and you are just uh, supposed to do a delivery to this one place, uh, and you can't seem to find the place, and you talk to a guy at the gas station, and that begins a very long tale of not only discovering what this land is about, uh, but also kind of discovering this supernatural, which isn't really a spoiler, but just weird, weird shit that is also afoot. And people have mentioned Twin Peaks in the same breath as this game. Uh, I can understand that. If you think of the Black Lodge, if you know Twin Peaks, uh, I think there's ideas of that. There's like something going on in this place that seems weird. I'm very excited for this. I've really been looking forward to this for a while because a lot of my um, friends who I respect their opinions have really been saying a lot of good things about this. But, I, you know, when it first came out, they were like, oh, this is just chapter one. And I'm like, I'm not the guy who wants to do early access. I'm not the guy that wants to do episode by episode. I'm usually like the wait till the whole thing is out and then I just play the whole thing at once. Um, you know, I like to binge my games like that. So... I haven't even touched it at all, and I have been like at the periphery waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it, and it has been a really long time. Uh, I, I kind of forgot it even existed, but now that it's out, I'm really psyched. I mean, as soon as I finish Coffee Talk, I'm either going to finish Coffee Talk or I will bail on Coffee Talk, but either way, Kentucky Route Zero is the very next thing I'm playing, so I'm very, very excited about this. All right, well, anyway, that's Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, we will talk about this again, I'm sure. 
let me jump over to my side of things for a little bit. I got a couple real quickies, uh, and we're going to stick with the Switch again because, man, I love me some Switch. I love the Switch so much. I was, In fact, last night I was on Twitter, and I wanted to say I love the Switch, and I was looking for a GIF that really encapsulated how much I loved it, and I couldn't find a GIF that really expressed it. So that's how much I love the Switch, you guys. I love the Switch. Um, okay, so I talked about Sea Salt a while ago. Do you remember me talking about Sea Salt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sea Salt is back. Just a shout out that it's been patched. I think I might have mentioned it. Maybe I didn't, but uh, I played it a while ago. It would have been on my top 10 last year. I love this game. It's, it's really great, actually. Very, very good. It's like uh, Evil Pikmin with Cthulhu. Fully patched. I'm playing that right now, and I want to just give another shout out to that. So if you want to check that out for something that is Lovecraftian, yet also kind of Pikmin-like, but also kind of strategic, uh, it's working fine. Um, I had to start a new campaign, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but it saved all of the things, almost all the things I unlocked. So it was kind of a weird, it didn't quite leave me, it let me pick up where I left off, but it wasn't too bad. And I just started a new campaign anyway, because it had been months since I played it. So whatever, it's fine. If you start it now, don't even worry about it. It's really good and it's out there. So that's a thing that exists. Um, the next one, kind of circling back to what you talked about uh, last week on the show, Warlocks 2 god slayers you talked about this last uh, last episode correct yeah and i saw something in your article recently that leads me to believe i know what this is going to be yeah yeah <laughs> you know you sold me on it and to be fair i had my eye on it before we even talked about it it was one of those oh maybe this is going to be a good thing but i'm gonna wait for a sale uh you sold me on it pretty hard on the show and i'm like oh that sounds pretty good i want to get into that picked it up and started playing it and it does start off really well i mean other than the weirdness of a developer asking a player to make choices about a game that they don't know anything about and giving them no information whatsoever is a really poor showing. It's a bad way to start. So, you know, like you said in the last episode, there's like five characters to pick from. You don't know anything about them other than their name and what they look like. You don't know their class. You don't know their strengths, their weaknesses. You don't know what they do. So I tried a couple of them, but it's kind of a hassle because you have to like restart the campaign every time you want to try a new character. So I tried a couple. I picked one and ran with it. Started out okay, uh, but as I went on, like, I just kind of got tired of it, like, pretty quickly. Like, the 2D platforming action was all right, but I felt like the balance wasn't quite there because I would get into these fights where I was just getting swarmed, and maybe I had the wrong character for that, or I don't know, but um, just based on what I had, I just, like, kept getting swarmed, but then I would grind a little bit, come back, get past the part that had me stuck, and keep going, and it just didn't really seem to... It didn't really seem to catch me because it became evident pretty early on that they want you to grind and just get through all these levels and stuff. And it's like the grinding seemed to get kind of fierce too soon for me. And I also wanted to try some of the other characters, but you can't switch between characters, which is bizarre. It's so strange that you can't. Also, I'm wondering if you just have the wrong character because the character that I get, and like you said, it was dumb that you couldn't tell what they were. Even like down to the fact that is this a melee fighter? You know, I have no idea. No idea. No idea. Uh, but the one I picked was this woman who has ranged weapons, and I never had to grind the whole time. And I'm on like the third world or something, and so I wonder if it's just that because if you got overwhelmed, like my character was very nimble and agile. So she was just jumping everywhere that I was in trouble at. And then I would just like shoot from afar and never felt like totally screwed. So it really could just be that, which is also back to your point, not good for the first player just jumps in and like, does it has a different game experience than I did. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. It's very possible. Um, I just felt like I got into a few sections where there were like infinite enemies coming at me, which seemed really weird. Like I, I clearly remember at least two or three parts where I would be, 
like up on a ledge and I was like in a relatively safe zone and I would be hitting the enemies that were coming towards me like 10, 12, 15 minutes of enemies, dude. And it was like, it was like a joke. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Wait, what level, what kind of difficulty do you put it on? Just whatever the standard was, whatever the normal. Sounds like we played two different games. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I killed like so many characters. I'm like this, how is there this many enemies? This has got to be like an infinite enemy spawning thing. And it was too much for me to get through it. Because I couldn't overwhelm those that number of enemies, but I, they just kept coming. I couldn't kite them out and kill them, and I'm like, okay, mm. this sucks. And then like I left, came back, and then it didn't happen again. So I'm like, well, well, is that a bug? Because there was a very definite number of enemies the second time, but not the first time. So that really, really kind of put me off and made me feel weird. And as I got through, I think I got to the third or maybe even the fourth world, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. I get what they're doing, but it didn't really grab me. So I did. You sold me on it real hard, and I think it's I think it's cool for the right kind of people, but maybe not my kind of game. Okay, but yeah, I definitely think that other people might want to at least give it a try, just because. Um, yeah, I'm still playing it. Like every night, I go into do another another level, especially if you're a Metroidvania type person. I feel like that's what that game is, and yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's not my favorite thing in the world. So I'm saying it's not like a you know eight yeah, or nine, yeah. but it's definitely something, especially on the Switch, that is like sometimes I want that feeling. Yeah, I mean. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but I feel like I got to a point where the unlocks started coming like really too slow, and I wanted to like get more abilities for my character or like to tweak them a little bit more. And it just felt like I was like grinding and grinding. I'm like, I'm okay. This is it's too long between bursts of like the endorphins when you get like a power up or something. Like mm. it was too much. So maybe it was a pacing. Maybe I got the wrong character. Maybe it was a glitch. I mean, who knows? But anyway, all right. I bounced off of that. Bounced off of that. Um, and peace, death. Have I talked about this already? I don't think so because when I saw it in the notes, I didn't remember it. Okay, this is the first game on the Switch from Azamatica, who are the developers of Draw Chili, which we talked about earlier, and we talked about it on the last episode. Um, this is set in the same universe as Draw Chili, but it's a totally different game, 100% different kind of game, different structure, different gameplay. It just shares, like, certain people, same world, dealing with, like, the afterlife and stuff. So a lot of the same themes, clearly the same people showing up again, but a totally different game. Basically, like, it's Papers, Please in Hell, where you play a Grim Reaper who is a trainee Reaper, and he has to sit at a desk, and there's just, like, all these desks, and there's, like, a million desks, and every Reaper sits at a desk, and they're processing all the souls that are coming in to the afterlife. And so it's your job to decide, does this person go to heaven, do they go to hell, or do they go to purgatory, Mm. right? And so there's all these sorts of rules, and it's a visual game, so it's like, if a person comes in, and they're holding a sword. Okay, well, you're a violent person, you go to hell. If somebody comes in and they're holding the Bible, oh, okay, you're a holy person, you can go to heaven. And it starts out, like, super simple, like, oh, boom, 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 categorizing them super easy, no problem at all. But then it gets really complicated because then it's like sometimes people will have horns, but they're wearing a hat. And so you can't see that if they have horns, they got to go to hell. But if they don't have horns, they go to heaven. And so if a person's wearing a hat, you got to be like, oh, wait, i got to check under their hat first. Or, like, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes they'll have like a blood stain that indicates they've done some violence in their life. If the and you you're like, oh, okay, blood stain. If it washes off, it means that they are sorry and they can go to purgatory, but not heaven. If it doesn't wash off, then you send them to hell. And so like, there's all these like rules that pop up about if this, then if this, that, do this thing, and you gotta like keep it fresh in your mind about which rule am I remembering, which one overrides which one, which one goes to heaven. If but if this thing is there, then they go to hell, and which way it goes. And after a while, it gets kind of complicated. And you got to go pretty quickly. So you're like, you're trying to keep all this criteria in mind. It's pretty fun. I can only play like maybe like two or three levels at a time because it kind of gets repetitive after a while. 
But I do think it's pretty fun, and I'm doing like one or two levels a night and getting through it. So I do like it, and I think it's I think I probably like it more because I've already played Draw Chili, and so I know the kind of sense of humor those developers have, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like maybe it's going somewhere that I want to get to. Um, I don't know that I would have felt that same way if I hadn't played the other one first, but I did, so here we are. Um, but I like it. It's really simple, really straightforward. It's good for like 10, 15 minutes at a time, and then you bounce, come back to it later. So I like it so far. It's pretty cool. Those are my three games on the Switch to talk about. Now, we have a very recent puzzle game called Seventh Sector. You played this, Carlos, and I played this, correct? Yes, and we got a code. I got a code for PS4. We both got a code for PS4 yes. to talk about this game on the show. This was, I want to say it's developed by somebody in Eastern Europe, I believe. And I think it was like a one-man show. Pretty sure. Either one- or two-man show. Um, kind of hard to describe, but basically you play a living spark of electricity and you're kind of going through wires and conduits and going through this world of puzzles um i've talked a lot carlos why don't you kind of pick it up there tell us what you think about it i mean give us your thoughts what do you like what do you don't like how far did you get yeah i don't have much to say um this is beginning the the phase of the inner brad okay or the the outer brad or the inner and outer brad the second half of the show is definitely going to be uh some vitriol I don't know. It's you play as a spark. You know, you're as a spark, and in the beginning of the game, it's you're essentially probably uh, something else because in, they show a TV screen and there's like a figure in there, and they don't do a good job of explaining that you need to move and hold no. the button down. To, there's like zero explanation. Yeah, it just says press X, but then you do and nothing happens. So you have to actually hold X is what they meant, and then you get out of the screen and become a electrical current essentially and you go start going through wires and that's the game uh now i definitely did not finish it so maybe later on you'll inhabit something which is what i'm hoping but for now as far as i got i was just the electrical impulse and that got boring very fast (laughs) like i mean i was like oh going like oh yeah now i'm gonna jump into the robot and then my game is gonna be i'm the robot or something because there's a robot on the cover of this game or it's like for the art of this game yeah but I was still just the electricity for a very long time, being puzzly and doing puzzles. And one of the puzzles was like, nope, I don't. Do I need to go to the internet already? And then I figured it out. But yeah, um, I'm not a puzzle fan. I'm not really a fan of money puzzle games, uh, as most people know on the show. And this didn't really do anything to change my mind. It was interesting in the fact that where am I? What am I? Am I a spirit of some person inside a cord? That's kind of neat. And the backgrounds, when they saw people in the background, that was kind of cool. Like, ooh, we're being sneaky. We're electrical current. We're going through these wires and they don't see us. But why are we doing that? And also, it's just a puzzle forever. Now, did you play further than I did? Do you get into a robot? Well, so here's the thing, dude. I think we have about a similar experience because, um, I mean, I was kind of into the tone of it. Like, it's kind of set in like a, I don't know, like weird, futuristic Eastern Europe. I mean, it's like really dark and it seems oppressive. And, you know, there's all sorts of, you don't know the language, so so you don't know what they're saying. And there's all sorts of posters and language that you don't understand. Maybe other people understand it. I don't know if it's real language or not. I don't think it is. But, you know, so you're just this spark and you're going through wires and you're, tripping fuse boxes and stuff and i'm like okay this is fine um it sounds weird but your spark moved really slowly and i found that to be very irritating because i wanted to move faster and you I push like i was you push box to move faster even with that i was like i want to move faster than this but i got to a puzzle where i got stuck i got super stuck i couldn't figure it out and it was like 
20 minutes after starting the game. Like, it was real early in the game. Uh, there's, like, a TV screen, and it has, like, red and blue, or orange and blue shapes on it. And it just, like, changes every couple seconds. Did you see that puzzle? No, I got stuck at some puzzle before that. Okay, so I got maybe, like, one puzzle further than you did. Yeah. Um, and I got stuck there, and I couldn't figure it out. It's like sometimes I could get halfway through the puzzle because little blue lights would turn on when you started doing the correct thing. You need to get four blue lights on. I could get one blue light, two blue lights, and then zero. One, two, zero. One, two, zero. One, two, three. And I'm like, oh, oh, zero. Uh. I, I could not figure out what I was doing wrong. I had no idea. I got really stuck. I put a picture on the uh, on the Twitters, and I'm like, hey, anybody playing this game, I need help. Please, anybody can help me. Nobody could figure it out, and multiple people said I quit the game at that puzzle. Oh, so no. And that's like... That's coming up for me, too. It's like, it's like 15, 20 minutes of the game. I had multiple people say I quit the game at that puzzle because I couldn't figure it out. I got frustrated. I was also really frustrated, but because I am the editor of a game's website, I emailed the actual developer, and I'm like, hey, um, what is up with your game, dude? And so he's like, oh, you got to just tap it on the sound. And I'm like, okay, so number one, I was playing without sound on. So mm. it's a puzzle that only has audio cues, which I find to be very problematic because I very often play games without the sound on because my wife is a really light sleeper. And sometimes I'm playing like in the bedroom. I don't want to wake her up. Sometimes I'm playing games at work. And so like, you know, I have some downtime. I don't want to have any sound on because I got to listen for things at work. But it's like, you know, you, there are many, 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 many ways to make a puzzle that has a visual cue along with an audio cue. So that really kind of pissed me off. I'm like, audio only puzzles are bullshit. So he told me what to do. And then once I figured out how to do it, I'm like, oh, okay. Like literally it was just like tap the the button when the sound goes off, but there's no real logic to it. Like, I don't Mm. know why you would even figure that out. A ton of people got stuck there, quit. And I even told um, Dan Weissenberger, who's a writer at the site, he got stuck there too. And Dan is way more of a puzzle guy than I am. And he got stuck, and I said, oh, Dan, it's just the sound cue. you got to push the button on the sound cue. He couldn't even do it after I told him what the answer was. He's Whoa. like, I don't understand. Fuck this game. I'm out. So that's as far as I, I got past that puzzle because the developer told me. I got to the very next puzzle, and it was, like, really fucking irritating, and I just I noped out. I'm like, I'm done. So um, pe- people tell me you do become a robot. You become, like, a, a, a an airplane or a spaceship or something. Like, you do eventually go through different forms and have different kinds of challenges, but I was, like, so irritated by the first 20 minutes, I didn't want to keep going. Right, and I wonder if when you're in a robot, are you just still doing that same type of thing? I'm guessing you are, because I bet you he only built one mechanic, and then you're... Well, I can't speculate on that. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'll YouTube it and see if I can see what happens afterwards, because I don't think I'm going to continue. But, um, yeah, it was a little frustrating, because, yeah. like you said, I did like the atmosphere. Um, yeah, it seemed like something that would be up my alley, but, man, that was just, like... Way to get off on the wrong foot. And I, I mean, this kind of led into a, like a really long discussion I had with uh, my friend Defunct Games on Twitter. He loves this game. He actually finished it, and it's like one of his favorite games. He feels like it's going to be on his top 10 of the year for sure. And so we had this like really lengthy discussion about the quality of puzzle design. I mean, and he felt like the puzzles were all really good. And I'm like, well, I hate this one puzzle. And it's like, if I couldn't hear this puzzle, which I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass it. And I feel like that kind of design should be more open to other people. Like, you should be, as a developer, having more options for people to approach your puzzles. Like, I I get there's maybe one answer, but for people who have disabilities or for people who maybe their brain doesn't work the same way that your brain works, there should be, like, clues or maybe some kind of other way to figure the puzzle out. Because I was was dead fucking stuck, dude. If he hadn't emailed me back, I never would have got past it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Seventh Sector seemed like a good thing. Not for me, not for you. Maybe it's for somebody, but uh, I suspect this is probably the last time we're ever going to talk about it. 
Let's uh, turn it back over to you, Carlos. You've got a couple uh, things to touch on. Um, Super Tennis. Uh, what's up with Super Tennis? And what Ooh. system is this on? This is on the Switch, so I was excited to pick it up. I had mentioned it as a game I was looking forward to on an episode I before at some point. And Super Tennis is on the Switch. I think it was five bucks, I want to say. Things on the Switch are like four or four fifty or twelve cents. It doesn't make any sense. A dollar eighty-three. Um, this was about five <laughs> bucks, and I am a sucker for tennis games. I love tennis games. Really, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe this is a new uh, thing. We haven't talked about. Seeing a new side it. of you here. I actually did testing on two uh, K. Uh, their top spin games. Okay. Uh, I was a tester, and if you look up in like the back of the book, you know, little manual, you'll see my name. In Top Spin, I think Top Spin too. Anywho, I love tennis games. Uh, I want to do a tangent here in a minute, and I'll tell you the tangent afterwards. But this game, I thought, was going to be more like the Super Nintendo tennis games of old. You know, really simple pixel graphics, top-down view-ish, three-quarters of view, and it's just simple and tight controls, and you go through tournaments, and that's it, right? Mm. And or or that my favorite game, uh, World Court Tennis, on the on the Turbo Graphics which I'll talk about as well. I thought it was like that. Like, tight controls, simple graphics, really fun. It is not that. I'm angry at the developer <laughs> because it's false advertising. And maybe we can look up on the internet and maybe there was some sort of thing in the description that said what type of game this is, but I didn't see it. So, uh, buyer beware. This is not like those tennis games I just mentioned. This is a tennis game that sees you only scoring one real point on a volley and you do it by pushing button combinations like a fighting game yeah like uh like as the ball comes to you from the opponent it's slow motions so there's slow motion all of a sudden and it puts up on the screen buttons you have to hit okay like a quick time event yeah but not okay doesn't <sighs> that sound fucking nuts to you no, no one that sounds actually kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> what, Brad? You are the reason why we don't have nice things. I am the reason for the season. I don't. I don't like tennis games in general. So weird ones like that sounds kind of neat. Like okay. I, I'm gonna look this up real quick. You keep talking. I'm you can look it up and see if it says it. We're in the description, or and see if I just missed it. But anyways, it doesn't matter even if you like the mechanic because like on the switch, there's so many buttons: L, Z, L, Z, R, A, B, C, X, Y, which I always fuck up the X and Y. Direction, directional buttons. They pick everyone on the fucking controller to use. And you're like, no. And then when it's a hard boss or something, it's like four button impresses in a row. Wait a minute. There's bosses in this game? Well, no, you know what I mean. Like the guy who you got to beat for the tournament. So essentially, when you start a tournament, uh, you start at, you know, like five up from the top or something. And you win matches by basically by winning each volley. So all you do is win one fucking volley. That's it. Right? One okay. point. And the point means you win the match, which also doesn't make any sense. It's not fucking tennis. And then you, after you beat that person, you go to the next person until you get to the top of this tournament, which is only like four or five people, okay. also not like tennis. And then you beat them and you win and you get to unlock a new character, which doesn't really do anything because there's no special moves. It's just fucking hitting buttons. And I hate this game. I fucking hate this game. This is crazy because I'm like, I... <laughs> I, I You're don't like, think I, this game. now I want this game. And now I'm like, oh, this sounds like a pretty good game. I want to check this 
want to check here's, this out. Here's why I hate this game. So Super Nintendo and Super Graphics had the best tennis games, even that rival Top Spin and all these newer games, because they were simple graphics, but they had the tightest controls, okay. right? I've said this before in many other video shows, but Warcourt Tennis and its whole family tennis line, because it was for Super Nintendo later on, um, World Court Tennis was a version of Family Tennis for mm -hmm. Nintendo back to, to TurboGrafx. They they had such simple graphics, but like the lob, the volley, the drop, the you know the strike, everything that you do and the way you hit the ball was precision. You could put it like right in the corner or pull it back all the way and drop it right over the net. It just felt like you had such control over the little characters, and it was so fun that way. Um, so fuck this game. I, I don't normally say that, but <laughs> you can go get it. And I don't think you will, at some point you'll be like, well, this novelty is wearing off because I can't use all of my both hands to hit all the buttons. It's. I mean, I may fuck the buttons up because I don't remember which one is A, B, X, Y on the Switch. That's I always fucked it up. To me. Yes, or like, I know. Yeah, that's terrible. But I mean, honestly, as someone who doesn't really like sports games and doesn't really have any feelings either way about tennis games... I'm like, oh, this one sounds kind of neat and weird. Maybe I will check this out. Like, Which like is that. why, though, I'm so angry because I really wanted on my on the Switch a game like that. And now I, there may be, if there is, someone can tell me who's listening, or I guess I could Google afterwards. But like, I want still a really tight tennis game on my Switch. It seems a perfect fit for that. Hmm. Um, so, anyways, that's my frustration with it. And I will say this: use this time real quick. Warcourt Tennis is one of the only tennis games, if not the only, that had an RPG in it. Do you, are you familiar with this? No, I don't think I've ever played it. It has a quest mode, and you would go to, like, different towns and, like, beat people there and, like, get money to buy new rackets and stuff. Okay. And, and then you'd have to go challenge the king of tennis or some, some shit. That sounds a lot like Golf Story, but just with tennis. Right, right, right. But this is also, like, 1990-whatever. Okay. Like, a million years ago. And I was sure. like, how weird to have a tennis RPG. So... Record Tennis, one of my favorite games of all time. People who know me know that. This game is not that. And this game made me angry, and I don't like this game. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so <laughs> I may go check this out. Um, maybe, Damn it. Maybe, maybe not. Thank you for reverse selling me on this, Carlos. Uh, you just added one more game to my list. So I just have to say things that I hate, and you're going to be like, you know what, I will check it out. And then I'll say things I like, and you'll be like, you know what, This is I'm, I'm out. But maybe that's what makes our show so great. We get uh, so many different aspects of gaming covered. You know, different tastes. Uh, horses for courses, right? Different strokes yeah, for different, different strokes. Folks. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got one more game in this particular section to talk about. Vermintide, like Warhammer. Neverwinter, Vermintide 2. It's Neverwinter? Yeah. That's not right. Isn't it? No, that's not right. Because isn't Neverwinter a different series? No. Hold on. No, maybe, maybe I mean, you could be right. Maybe. All right. All right. Hold on, folks. We're going to do like quick Google verification here. Oh. Isn't it Warhammer Vermintide? I, mean, I, I could be wrong. No, it's something weird. Oh, it's Warhammer. You're right. It's yeah, Vermintide, Warhammer. Warhammer Vermintide 2. Okay. Okay. I Vermintide said never meant to. I haven't taken my medicine this morning, which is <laughs> coffee. And now I'm drinking it. My coffee meds. Okay. So Vermintide 2. Uh, I have not played Vermintide 2, but I do remember the first Vermintide being kind of a co-op left for dead first person shooter but instead of zombies it was like the rat people from warhammer is that basically the same thing here and it's the same game you just described the game we're done okay. <laughs> no here's the thing i didn't know it was a left for dead type i thought okay. it was more like a little bit rpg light 
Okay. And yeah, there are things you can get and like better weapons you can find and essentially loot boxes, but there's nothing monetized. It's just like you find chests and then can open them and get slightly better weapons. Okay. So the inspiration to like find chests and get slightly better weapons isn't really much of a draw. It's more about just going through hordes of enemies and surviving, right? And because I thought, again, it's all expectation, it was lightly like an RPG which it really isn't. It's an action game like Left 4 Dead, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. also you can't play one player. You have to play with uh, four bots or three bots. Oh, so if it's just you, like you're with a group regardless all the time, right? Yeah, and I, I generally don't like those types of games because, I mean, I get why they built the system to be a, uh, a multiplayer experience. And in that, lots of enemies might like freeze you and then you have to have your teammates help you out of it. Okay. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, reviving, right? So you downed, you're downed, like a multiplayer online game, and they have to like revive you. So that threw me out of the game. The, the non RPG ness of it threw me out. The graphics were pretty cool. Um, I did like running through and being melee guy and like destroying a bunch of stuff with melee, but it it just felt like I was, yeah, wiping through tons of monsters that de- didn't mean anything. They were just, you know, yeah blood bags or whatever. And so that got old very quick. Like it, what it didn't keep my attention at all. And I thought someone I respect was like, this is one of his favorite games of the year. And I was like, wow, really? I don't know where that came. And that's why I checked it out. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. I had the bad, I got the Brad anger. Well, you know, I know, um, I, when I played it, I was into it for like maybe a couple levels and I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm just like, like you said, I'm just killing like a jillion dudes and I'm getting slightly better weapons, and I'm just kind of repeating that. And I, I mean, I, I think combat is okay, but like I'm not a player who just like really gets off on just like killing a thousand enemies. Like that, in and of itself, is not really something that I find very interesting as a gameplay mechanic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I noped out of it pretty quick. And I'm not the multiplayer guy either. Like I'm not going to have three friends on a Friday night get together and play this. It's like usually me, maybe my wife will play a game if she thinks it looks interesting, and we'll like two two player. But, like, that's it. Like, we're not going to do, like, a group or anything like that. And so I, I got kind of bored of it pretty quick. And I was surprised to see so many people really choose this as something that they really liked a lot. So, I mean, I guess there's a certain kind of player that this is a great fit for. I'm not that player. It sounds like you're not that player either. I'm not that player either. Yeah, so unfortunately. Uh, two games I did not like this week. Uh, there they are. Super Tennis and Vermintide 2. Well, let's keep it going. Let's keep that hate train going because <laughs> we got a couple more games to talk about. Uh, Journey to the Savage Planet came out uh, from 505 Studios as the publisher. I do not know who the developer is. I apologize, folks. Uh, we do no research on this podcast, as we are so fond of saying. This is a first-person... Honestly, it's a bit like a Metroidvania, because uh, you're searching a quote-unquote uninhabited planet for resources that you can exploit for your terrible corporation, who is your boss. They sent you this planet to, like you know, basically rape the planet for whatever resources it has. But it's kind of like one of those sassy, sarcastic, we know corporations are terrible, and so we make lots of jokes about how terrible it is. And you're shooting all the monsters and collecting their resources, and you're, you know, going through these worlds. It's like a very simple, straightforward kind of a game, which in general I kind of like. I mean, I like that it was very straightforward, where you're just shooting stuff, getting resources, getting a couple upgrades, and then going back into the world and kind of doing it again. It was feeling pretty good for the first maybe like hour, two hours. 
But then after a while, uh, I just kind of got tired of it because I could see how much grinding was ahead of me. And then it was really kind of a turnoff because it was like, oh, I got to do these things and I got to get like 900 of this resource and I got to get 600 of this resource and that'll get the triple jump. And then that means that I can get to this other place where I'm going to grind some more things. I mean, it, it's similar to like a really stripped down like Metroid Prime if you really want to like very basically kind of compare those two things. Metroid Prime and I would say No Man's Sky. Right? Yeah, it's got that a... feel. Like you're going to this weird place. You don't know what it's about. Yeah. You're you're literally scanning everything. Yeah, lots um, of scanning. So a lot of scanning and a lot of like you said shooting. And as it goes further on, it's actually get relies mainly on the shooting, which is kind of a downfall of it, I think. Yeah, I agree. You get there's a lot of combat, and I feel like the combat is just like okay. It's not really interesting enough, and I think it's. The thing that I, that happened that really turned me off was like a lot of the areas that you're exploring end up looking very much alike. And so you would go to this one part of the land and it's like, oh, this has this certain enemy that I need to find. But then I couldn't remember, well, was it this part or this part? Because they all look vaguely the same. Mm. They're all kind of orangey and greenish and they've all got the same kind of trees. And there's not really a lot of like defining geographical features that you can remember and I just, like, kind of got lost after a while. I'm like, this all looks the same to me, and I don't know where I'm going. Um, there are some map markers which help you out, but, like, when you're doing some of the other um, objectives, uh, some of the freeform objectives, it's like you got to just figure out where to go or remember where these things are. And I got, I kind of just got lost, and after a while, I'm like, I just, I'm not into trying to remember which part of this cookie-cutter map I need to go to. So yeah. I, I kind of got tired of it, and combat's not great, and just, like, the grinding. I mean, it's fine... It's very simple. It's very straightforward. If you've never played a Metroidvania, if you've never played Metroid Prime, if you've never played any of these games, I mean, there's actually, I think, probably several games that have this kind of sarcastic corporate angle to them. Like, this is totally not the first. I mean, what's the Outer Outer Worlds? I mean, yeah, there's definitely, like, feelings of that. Outer Worlds is like these corporations own the galaxy. They own different parts of the planets. And you, like... In that game, you actually had much more of a decision-making process, right? So it's like, how can I change this landscape that this world is in? Or do I just go fight the corporation? Here, it's like you're just a pawn in you know, being sent off to a different planet and see what you can find for the corporation. Which, by the way, let's give them a feather in their cap. I think those videos are really funny. Um, they do these kind of like promotional videos. Uh, based and you basically see them every time you go back to your ship so you see new ones and some are really really good and they kind of color the the idea of this you know uh kind of almost not great corporation like it's not even like the best corporation in the world it's like what they say the fourth we most are the fourth successful. best most successful corporation yeah, in the galaxy or yeah. something so so i like that it's got a little bit of you know hitchhiker's got of the galaxy feel and i wanted more tongue-in-cheek actually because if they do that back at the ship i thought that might be out in the planet somewhere but like you said it just devolves into a was i here before do i have to shoot that thing oh no puzzles those are carlos's favorite uh let's put a bunch more of those in front of him and then it literally block off areas unless you do certain puzzles which is not my favorite thing it's not exploratory this is not open world you know this is definitely like feed a little bird to this one machine that eats it and then you can get past that area and if you don't do it right you're not moving by the yeah. way did, did you ever figure out what those secret areas were because I couldn't. Yeah, there was a bunch. I mean, there was one that you needed a bomb to explode. There was one where you had to shoot the tentacles of a plant to make it explode. There was no, one... no, 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 not that. Which there one? would be like a sound cue that would go off. Yeah, it is those. Like they just would, a sound would be like the secret nearby. And then there was like four or five different flavors of that that I found. Oh, one of them okay. 
Yeah, it just kind of depended which area you were in. There was different solutions for each one, but um, yeah, it just it just felt like I was doing the same thing, and I was only to like the second biome, and I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm doing literally the exact same thing that I did in the first biome, and it's not really changing, and I don't want to do this for like three more biomes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because it wasn't uh, like one of my most anticipated games, you know, for this year. I could just like based on the trailer and the kind of funny videos, I was like, wow, this is a world I can just jump into. Uh, by the way, it was called Typhoon Studios who put it out. And one of the people uh, on that team worked on Far Cry 4. So you can see kind of some Far Cry elements near the ending, I think, because as I got further on, it's just shooting monsters, uh, you know, not taking over outposts, but essentially getting to new areas and opening new areas. So, yeah, I don't know. I definitely got bored, too. The hate train is still rolling. We're still driving on this train. Yeah. Um, I don't so, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a bad week, I guess. So that's Journey to the Savage Planet. We've only got one more game to talk about, basically. Bard's Tale 4. I don't know anything about this. Um, you're playing it on a PC, I assume? No, it's PS4? PS4, yeah. Okay, yep. I didn't know if it came to PS4 or not. I know it started on PC, but PS4... I, I, you know, I've heard of Bard's Tale. I think I played a version that was on PS2 like a million years ago. I don't know how faithful that is to the franchise or if this is an offshoot, is a sequel in the same world. I don't know anything about it. Um, but Bard's Tale 4, tell us tell us everything about it because I know nothing. Well, you uh, probably played the one that this developer worked on because they made a console version. They're called In Exile. Yeah. Um, and so they made a console version. Uh, so that's probably the one you played. I've been playing this game because I'm 150 years old. I've been playing Bard's Tale since I was a kid. Uh, Bard's Tale is a huge PC game. It used to come on those big, like, folded, um, like, album covers. And kids are like, what are you talking about? Google Bard's Tale PC and you'll see what I'm talking about. But there were these really big boxes. And uh, it was an experience, just like Ultima. These were, like, old school RPGs. Um, essentially there was a lot of bards in them, obviously in the fact that you do music and there was like a lot of different classes and most of the time it was a party turn-based, uh, front facing view. I don't know what you want to call that when it like comes a first to person, kind of a dragon quest, uh, sort of a battle system, but your party's kind of on the bottom there along the bottom. Yeah. Like a, like a, like fantasy star for like people yes. like way back in the day Yes, or anything where like you don't see your own party. You just see the enemy party on the screen. And you swipe at them and stuff, right? Right, right. Yeah, okay. so like obviously, yeah, Dragon Quest. But then also, in those ones, you don't even see the people, right? And this yeah. one, you, you see kind of the, the, your actual character on the bottom of the screen. Okay. So it it's also uses the old school, uh, not just turn-based, but also the, the kind of a, a light grid. So there's definitely places you want to move. So if you move okay. to the back row, you can, you know, have your magic... Uh, users back there you're healing back there and maybe they won't get attacked or if you're trying to attack somebody you have to make sure that you're in an adjacent kind of area as them and if you aren't then you can't even hit them so you kind of use your moving around the slight field of, of boxes to your advantage as well um, it's just super old school it's like a 50 or 60 hour campaign Jesus. Um, I right. went back to it because I, I remember loving the old school games and I just wanted one big meaty RPG to just jump into. And yeah, the, the, the combat's okay. It's not like great, right? But there's definitely the best part of it is that you walk around the land in true first person Skyrim mode. Okay. Right? So you bring your whole party with you as a first person point of view. And that's how you're walking around the world. Is it an open world? I mean, are we talking about like, 
Because you described the combat, and I've seen screenshots of the grid base. I mean, that seems to me like kind of like a, a very uh, square-based kind of hallway dungeon sort of a thing. But like, is there like an overworld where you're just kind of just generally freeform walking around? Yeah, that's that's the one that's in first person, right? Okay. So think of like being dropped into a Skyrim, but without the full open world, just kind of like linear paths in a way. Like you could go left and see what's down there, and you could go right to see what's down there, but you should probably just go straight. That kind of a you know open world. Okay. So you're playing first person like that until you get to a combat encounter. Then you're turning into this grid kind of grid based thing, uh, front facing. So that being said, all those things put together, I'd still be in, right? Like give me the old school turn based PC type experience on my PS4. I'm in. I'm all in. Also, these are the guys who worked on Wasteland, which I love Wasteland too. So, okay, uh, it's a great developer. It, you're in capable hands. It seems like a really interesting game. I feel like we're heading to a cliff here. The cliff is a good cliff, not a bad cliff. Okay, okay. The hate train is stopping. So, in this game, and this is something I want to kind of like tangent on for a minute. You play as you know adventurers in role playing games. Adventurers are lots of times dwarfs, elves, all sorts of you know races. So sure, back to our sure. our coffee talk. Uh, discussion. So there's all sorts of races that are, are warriors and magicians, etc. And in this game, you start off and the priesthood or the fatherhood or the father tide, I forget what they're called, they basically have decided to kill everybody who's different. Oh, geez. That's now, trouble. No, no. Look, can you see the parallels that I'm going to bring I out do. right now? I do. I hear you. So literally in some of the books that I've read and the people that I talked to, they said that they kicked out people that were not like them out of the cities, they hanged people who were not like them, and they basically created a climate of fear at, just so that everybody would suspect their friends just to escape Inquisition, and they built a system of intolerance, hate, and the clash of the old with the new. Are you kidding me? I mean, that this hitting, is our it's life. Hitting, it's hitting a little close to home for me right now. I know, so this is why, this is why video games are great though too. Now, definitely go out there and vote, people, <laughs> in whatever country you're in, especially in the U.S. right now. But on top of that, if you do want to feel a little bit of justice, if you want to feel a little bit of like you're making a difference and you want to escape some of the madness that is happening around you, uh, this is a perfect type of thing where I go in and as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go like enact justice. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I'm like, Make these people good. are doing the wrong thing. They're like literally... It's like saying, killing Nazis in Wolfenstein or something. Like, you know, you right, can't, right, right. you can't, you know, we don't have any direct means of, of righting wrongs in today's climate, but, you know, in a video game virtual sense, you can feel like you're maybe doing a little bit of justice by, you know, Nazis or these, whatever they call them in your world, like these super racist people wiping out the other races. Yeah. It was just so crazy that I didn't expect that. Right. I just expected an old school RPG with like funniness in it. Cause it's got some comedy, but yeah, I'm like all the way in now. Like, instead of it being a cliff of bad, it's a cliff of, like, I must do the right thing and save all the elves and everybody. I mean, they were hanging them in the city square. Like, I don't want to get too real about it, but how far, how quickly can humans do that? You know, how quickly can they devolve into ridiculous divisiveness that turns oh, yeah. into... Oh, we're, yeah, we're a half step away from doing that in real life right now, dude. So, this is why uh, Bard's Tale 4, <laughs> the director's cut, is really important. Play it, and you can feel like you have some injustice. Oh, one more t t uh, tangent, though. Yeah. I don't like when games make you have to um, g like spend a skill point to wear armor. Oh, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. 
And it's like m multiple kinds of armor. So literally, I just got my first skill point in, in light leather armor. Oh, now I spent a skill point so I can wear light leather armor. <laughs> Guess I what? Mean, I have to spend another skill point for medium leather armor. Fuck that part of the game. So there's if, my hate. If somebody gives me a sweater for Christmas, I just put it on. I <laughs> you mean, don't have like no skill involved. I don't need to go to the gym and work out before I put the sweater on. I don't need to like study a book. I'm just like, I just put it on. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's You got to keep it real, people making RPGs. Keep it real. I'm still going to play the shit out of this RPG. I'm going to enact my justice, but I'm also going to be mad and grumble under my breath every time I think of another skill point to wear another piece of armor. Fair. So stupid. Fair. Fair. All, all right. right. So those are all the games officially that we're talking about, but we have one more little tidbit. Now, traditionally, we we Carlos has some kind of little bit at the end. We haven't really landed on a, a very regular segment like we have his beginning segment, but we're going to try something new today. Today is Carlos's eye on Gamefield. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's like eye on Springfield. There you go. For you Simpsons nerds. So these are just games that come across my desk or my computer screen uh, throughout the week. And just a few games that I'm like, whoa, what is this about? I think I should tell the people. So eye on Gamefield. So, so let's tell them, yes. News, newsflash. Elderborn. What? It doesn't make sense that we make that sound anymore because... Nobody does the little news beeping thing. Like, it's only used as a meme. Like, it's not even a real thing anymore. I don't think people it even is. know what it's from. No, I don't. But you know what? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Ion Games Field. Uh, Elderborn is uh, exactly what what uh, Vermintide 2 is not. Did I say that right? I Maybe. It Today, my mean, language is off. I'm going to apologize, by the way, at the end of this podcast for this whole podcast, for my performance, at least. Okay. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been quite off. Yeah, to, be, to be transparent, I've had all these technical difficulties with my mixer, and I'm going to smash it as soon as we're done with this podcast. So that you might have not known that, but I'm just being transparent with you. You should put that on YouTube when you smash it. Okay. Elderborn. For the listeners. Actually, that's pretty good bonus content, and I think I might do it. Elderborn is a melee uh, action game. I'm not going to think it's an RPG because it's not, but it's all about getting that melee, the satisfying melee done right, and not hordes of enemies, but one by one. Um, kind of in a Doom sense or in a game where they're, they're coming at you still, but you're like dispatching them one at a time, right? It's not like continual uh, so bam, like more bam, like, bam. Like, like more meaningful encounters where it's not just like, like, just like you're not mowing down. Like, you know, like when I think of like, combat that doesn't mean anything to me i think of like dynasty warriors where you're killing like thirty-two thousand people in a in a match and it doesn't mean anything because you're smashing the a button yeah as opposed to something like you know like a dark souls or something where it's like you're fighting one guy and you're watching his moves and you're blocking his moves and you're very carefully dodging and it's like a, a very different scale of combat not not necessarily that either one is right or correct i mean there's different flavors for everybody but for me i much prefer the conscientious, very slow, methodical, as opposed to the Dynasty Warrior style. And that sounds like what you're describing here. Totally. And, uh, I mean, it just looks wildly good. So I'm going to pick that up. I think it's already out. And I think it's only like 12 or 15 bucks on Steam, which is crazy. Okay. Um, I think it might be more like a proof of concept for their combat, right? Like the developer's like, hey, look at this amazing thing we made. And let, we're going to make a big game with it at some point. So if you want a cheap, really good Melee experience that's not Vermintide 2... Uh, I'm going to go pick it up, and yeah, I suggest you check it out for you like Melee. Second one is... <laughs> it's funny that you said it that way, because what you made me think of is if you want something that's not Vermintide 2, there's a lot of things out there that are not Vermintide 2, right, so okay. you've got lots of options. <laughs> I'm just saying, within this particular podcast, I was excited about Melee. That's not what I want. 
What I, I do want is this. I'm just goofing. That just made me laugh. It made me giggle inside my head when you said well, that. Giggle, giggle, get your giggle out of here. Yeah. Not for broadcast. <laughs> Not for broadcast has an overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback on Steam, which is hard to do. And you take control of the nightly news. There's that goddamn news thing again. On games fields. Uh, as a radical government comes to power. Look at all the connections we're making. Bard's Tale, the real world, not for it's, broadcast. People say games aren't political, but I call bullshit on that. Oh, this is straight up political. Yeah, I think it every says, game is political, honestly. It says basically it's a propaganda sim where you control what the people see and determine what's not for broadcast. And it looks like all like a lot of live action video, which is... Okay always hilarious to me because it could be done really funny or whatever anyways it's an early access game generally i don't really even see that term anymore if it's available to add to cart i play it because unless it's like a really big one player game uh I, i'm sure i'll get the experience that they're trying to give me sure uh, sure it's 1349 i'm buying it as soon as we get off this podcast uh i would check people have people check that out and my last eye on games field is that the Amico is coming out. And do you know about the Amico? No. Are you saying A-M-I-C-O? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, I have no idea. Um, hold on. Let me make sure. I, I always forget how he says it. I'm going to look it up because I have no idea what you're talking about at all. Um, Amico. Uh, I just no, make sure I'm saying it right. They make medical it's, equipment? I don't <laughs> think that's what you're talking no, about. No, no, no. It's, it's the uh, Intellivision. The new Intellivision. Oh, okay. So let's see. Remember uh, Tallarico? You guys know Tommy Tallarico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So he made music for games. Yes. So I met him a while ago, and he talked about this with me. It's uh, the new Intellivision. It's two little handheld things, uh, like the old school Intellivision, but it's got touchscreens on them. They're updated. Anyways, the new trailer just came out. Is why I bring it up on my Ion Games. Field. So this is the new system we're talking about. This is a new platform. This is a new totally new platform. Totally new platform for games. I'm looking at a picture on Google. Like you said, it looks like two little iPods or something like that that you hold. Yeah. You give one to each person, and then you do something. We can bring it up on another podcast. I actually yeah. have a, a lot of because I interviewed him for it and stuff. So I'm just telling people why to go check out the trailer because they finally dropped like what the games look like. And that had not happened until just now. So if you want to check out the Amico, which I think I'm saying it right, uh, Google it, two eyes, A-M-I-I-C-O, and uh, check out the trailer because I think it might have a market, like, kind of like the Wii did and the fact that it was like its own thing. And it's very interesting. And there also, check this out. One of my favorite games of all time, Archon, is coming out on it. Archon is a great game. I had a lot of fun with Archon. Um, oh. I'm looking at the trailer. It looks like there's Moon Patrol. It looks like there's some kind of time. track and field. It looks like there's Asteroids. They're remaking Atari in television <clears throat> games and also these other like um, Midway Classic games. And then there will be new games for it. And they're all going to be cheap. And they're all for every, all ages. So it's such a cool idea. Just check it out. I, I think I'm a yes and person. And I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. But... Um, yeah. Yes, and indeed. Yes, and indeed. Okay, so there's the Amico. That's something we're looking forward to. All right, cool. cool. There we go. And there's that meme again that no one knows what it is, but we still do it anyway because that's the way we've always done it. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, Carlos and I will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, as always, we love your questions and comments. You can reach us, so Podcast at gmail.com. 
You can also post comments for us at GameCritics.com once the show goes up there. We're also on Twitter as a show collectively, at SoVideoGames. But you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are you at this week? Uh, just Twitter, O-N-A-W-A. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And that's basically it for us. Thank you again for joining us here at SoVideo Games. And we will be back next week. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And a, hey, don't be divisive. We're all the same thing, a human being. Just, you know, just stop it.